Hare Krishna, bem-vindo à nossa aula de domingo. Uh, já estamos no... Ah, English, sorry, it was Portuguese, I was speaking Portuguese. Uh, welcome to our Sunday Bhagavatam class. Um, it's February 2nd, 2020, believe it or not. And um, today we're going to read from the Bhagavatam, first canto, chapter 5, text 12. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So, 1.5.12 Nice karmyamapi achuta bhava varjitam na shobate Jnanam alang niranjanam Kudak punak charpitam karma So um, here is a very strong statement uh, affirming that even uh, impersonal an impersonal state of giving up material activities and in some impersonal way or some godless way uh, trying to avoid material life and all that uh, still does not really bring one to the most beautiful consciousness, really. So Prabhupada translates this verse as follows. Uh, Knowledge of self-realization, even though free from all material affinity, does not look well if devoid of a conception of the infallible God. What then is the use of fruitive activities which are naturally painful from the very beginning and transient by nature if those activities are not utilized for the devotional service of the Lord? So Prabhupada says, as referred to above, not only ordinary literature is devoid of the transcendental glorification of the Lord are condemned, but also Vedic literatures and speculation on the subject of impersonal Brahman when they are devoid of devotional service. What to speak of ordinary fruit of work. So let's look at this, the Sanskrit closely, which, as you know, is what I like to do. So nice karmyam api. Api means even, like even this. And nishkarmya, of course, comes from the word nishkarma. Nish means without. And uh, so, and without karma. In other words, even an activity which is not ordinary karma. One could take this, Prabhupada translates it as self-realization, being freed from the reactions of fruit of work. So that's nishkarmya. So even that, Achuta bhava varjitam, if it is devoid of varjitam, achuta bhava, a feeling, uh, a conception. Bhava, from the verb to be, means sort of a state of being, and it can refer to a mental state, an emotional state, as sometimes ecstasies are described as bhava. So it can be a mental state, an emotional state, or a conceptual state of understanding. 
so some kind of state of being, mental or emotional or conceptual. So achuta bhava varjitam can mean devoid of feeling for achuta, devoid of, uh, as Prabhupada says here, the conception of achuta and so on. In other words, there's just no Krishna consciousness. And so the Bhagavatam says, na shobate, literally it doesn't shine. As Prabhupada says here in his translation, uh, does not look well, does not look well. It's from the um, the verb uh, shub, from the verb shub, uh, for example, shuba or like, or, or subhadra and so on. And so the verb here uh, means to beautify, embellish, adorn, beautify oneself, look beautiful or handsome, shine, be bright or splendid. So it doesn't shine, it's not bright, it's not beautiful, it doesn't enhance your life, it doesn't make your life beautiful, uh, all those things. That's the verb. Uh, the verb is shub. Uh, Sorry, it's not Subhadra, that's a different verb. Uh, forget that. Uh, shuba, Shoba, and so on. So, Nashobate, it doesn't shine, it doesn't, not beautiful, it doesn't make your life great. So, Nashobate, Gyanam Alang Niranjanam. It doesn't really make your life beautiful or wonderful, uh, even if it is jnanam niranjanam. So this is kind of uh, a, a synonym in a sense, or getting at the same point of naishkarmyam. Niranjanam uh, can mean like without any stain, without any mark. Prabhupada says here, free from designations, which is a very good translation. Uh, free from designations, which which is his translation of Anjana. Um, Anjana, oops, I was going to tell you what uh, Anjana literally means here. Um, it literally means be many things, but actually the word anjana, it, it can mean like a stain. It's used in that famous verse, Oma Jnana Tamirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya. So using sort of like this dark ointment uh, to open the eye. It, it sometimes would translate, you open my eyes with the torch of knowledge. It's actually not the torch, it's actually Shalaka. Uh, Jnananjana Shalakaya. Shalaka is actually like a, uh, well, what we nowadays call like a Q-tip or a little, you know, little thing that you use. So, and then anjana is the ointment, the dark ointment. So anjana can also mean uh, like a stain because, you know, this anjana, this dark or black ointment can also, you know, it stains everything. So near anjana means without the stain, without any impurity in that sense. So these words have different meanings, but you, you, I think you understand it. So here it says jnana, which is niranjana, which has no stain on it, which Prabhupada translates it uh, free of designations, a stain being so-called awareness or consciousness, which involves some kind of material concept. So the first two lines say that if you have no feeling for a chuta, if you have no 
concept of a chut of the infallible Lord. The Lord literally chut means to slip or fall. So the Lord who never slips, who never makes a mistake, who's, who, who never falls, who's infallible, uh, that's a chutta. So even if someone attains a state of nice karma where you're really conscientiously avoiding, let's say, gross material activities, but still, uh, if you don't have a concept of the infallible Lord or feeling for Krishna, it doesn't look very good. It's not going to make your life beautiful. It's not going to really shine. It's not impressive. It's a way of saying, you know, not impressive. And even if you have knowledge, which is free of any stain of um, material designations, like you're not in the bodily concept of life. So that's the first two lines. Then kutak punak, which means what again, or what to, that's, in Sanskrit, sort of how you say what to speak of or not to speak of. Like, if that doesn't work, then how much worse is what's going to come next? So, kutak punak, so what does not to speak of, what to speak of? Shashwara bhadram ishwara nacharapitam karma. What to speak of? Something which is always inauspicious. Because you could say, okay, uh, some, some level of spiritual knowledge, even if it doesn't involve love of God, it's still some kind of attainment. It's some kind of understanding. But then uh, what about something which is always a bhadra, which is always a bhadra? And of course, that which is always a bhadra, I'll just give, tell you quickly how a bhadra is translated. Bhadra, of course, means auspicious. So abhadra means inauspicious, even mischievous, something which is just not for the good. And this is the word I, I meant before, like uh, Krishna's sister, Subhadra. Su means very, very bhadra, very auspicious, very virtuous, very good in every way. So this is abhadra, shashwat, always. Something which is constantly, always inauspicious. So, which is, of course, uh, karma. Karma, within the last line, kutakpunak saswat abhadram ishwadena charpitam karma. Arpita means offered, to offer something. Um, the, the word is arpanam, which means an offering, as in the Bhagavad Gita 4.24, Krishna says, brahmarpanam, brahmahavir. That's the verse in the Gita. 424, where Krishna explains how everything that's offered to him becomes spiritualized, like food or water or your life. So the word for offering is arpanam. And here we have the word arpita, na cha, arpita, cha means and, and not offered. So not to speak of karma activities that are not offered to the Lord and are always inauspicious. They never, they never really uh, bring you to, to where you want to go. So, kutakbunak seswat abhadram ishwade nacharpitam, activity uh, karma, karma not offered to the Lord, ishwara, jadapya karanam, even if uh, you're performing those activities, uh, akaranam. Karana, uh, a karana means a cause, a karana means without a cause. 
It's the same as ahetu or ahaituki. You may have heard of ahaituki bhakti. So when activity or action is called causeless, it means uh, motive, no mental cause or motive. There, there's no uh, material motive. You just did something without a material motive. But still, if it's not offered to the Lord in any way, it has no spiritual purpose. Let's say you're just acting uh, to use the common word selflessly, like you're doing some kind of charity, you're trying to do some kind of good, but it's godless. There, there's no sense of uh, devoting that action to a higher being or to some higher reality, uh, then always that's going to lead to some trouble in your life, even if it's a karanam, not grossly selfish. A karanam, karma, jadapi a karanam, you'd say even if it's not like I said, grossly selfish. So here, strongly affirming the unique benefits of devoting one's actions to Krishna. Because here, we, the first word in this verse is naishkaramyam. And then we have the word, uh, then later we have the word karma. So it's really talking about action here. And also knowledge, karma and jnana. And of course, karma means action. We all have to act. And jnana means awareness, and if, unless you're unconscious or in a coma, everyone has some type of consciousness. Everyone has some type of understanding of life. And all of that, whatever you may think about anything, whatever state of consciousness you may be in, whatever thoughts you have, whatever you do, if there's not devotion to the Lord, to the infallible Lord, Achuta, then it's just not really going to bring you to where you should go to ultimate happiness, to ultimate understanding, and to the eternal life that everyone really wants. So that's the first verse today. And then the next verse says, Ato, which means something like, well, that's how Prabhupada translates it, therefore. Ato Mahavaga Bhavana Moghatrik. Suchi Sava Satyarato Tritabrata Urukramasya Kilavandamuktaye Samadhi Nanu Smaratadvicheshtita. So Narda speaking to Vyas addresses him here as Mahabhaga, which I'll explain, which is translated as Mahafortunate. Bhaga uh, means a share. And, and this goes back to the ancient Vedic sacrifices where tremendous benefits came from the Vedic sacrifice. And then those benefits, those rewards would be divided among worthy people. First of all, divided among the gods, the devas, the demigods. And of course, it's related to the word bhaga, as in bhagavan, opulence. These are related words. So to call someone mahabhaga, someone has great bhaga, a great share which means that someone who has, it's a way of saying, uh, we might say in English, uh, someone has received great gifts or uh, a very gifted person. So someone who has received great gifts in life, whose share, whose allotment has been very great is called Mahavaga. And that's what Narda calls Vyasa, that, that, that you've received great gifts, Vyasa. Uh, that makes you a great person and also gives you great responsibility in life. So he says, Ato Mahavaga. So, yes, a bhavan, the respectful form of you. 
like in many like Z uh, in German, Mustad in Spanish, and so on. Lay in Italian. So Atomahavaga, therefore you, a Moga Drik, who have infallible vision. Moga means something that's uh, not going to work. And the opposite, I'll, I'll tell you very quickly, because Krishna, there's a famous verse in the Gita where Krishna talks about people who are not Krishna conscious. He says, Moga Shah, their hopes or, or aspirations are in vain. Moga Karmana, their activities are in vain. And so on. So the opposite is Amoga. So Moga means vain, fruitless, useless, unsuccessful, unprofitable. That's the word Moga. And that's how Krishna describes the life of someone who's not in spiritual consciousness. The opposite is amoga, which means uh, <clears throat> unerring, it doesn't, unfailing, not in vain, efficacious, effective, succeeding, hitting the mark, productive. So that's amoga. <clears throat> and um, Narada describes Vyasa's vision, Dirk, like Darshana. He describes uh, uh, Vyasa's, he says, he says to Vyasa that you are uh, Mahavaga, uh, you have great gifts, and your vision is a moga, unfailing. You know, when you really put your mind to it, you don't make mistakes. And it always has a successful outcome when you really, you know, focus in the right way. So he calls him a mogadric. And he says, Suchi Srava, uh, Shrava, like Shravanam or Shruti, of course, means hearing. And so it's also the word which is often used to mean reputation, like, you know, what people hear about you. That's your reputation. So Suchi, you know, means clean or pure. So you have, Prabhupada translates here, spotless and then famous in the word for word. And then in the in the translation, he says, your good fame is spotless. And so literally it means what is heard about you. Like, what do people hear about you? All that people hear about you is pure. Suchi Sarva. Satyarato, which means uh, you are dedicated to or you delight in the truth. You are a, it's like that other uh, name of a famous sage, Satyakama, a lover of truth. So rata in Sanskrit, uh, from the verb ram actually, which means to take pleasure. That's the source of the word rama. The word rama comes from the verb, Sanskrit verb ram. And so rata means delighting in, again, from the root ram, rama. Delighting in, intent upon, enamored of, devoted or attached to. So he's saying that Narada's here saying to yes, you are, you delight in the truth. You are completely committed to the truth. You're devoted to the truth. When you understand that something is true, then you totally go with it. Complete integrity, complete integrity. So someone who loves the truth, delights in the truth, devoted to truth, then, you know, we should be like that actually. So Satyarato Dhritta Vrata. Also, vrata, uh, vrata means vow. If you take out the R in vrata, it's like English, a vote, like, like you're 
devoted. Think of the word devoted from the Latin devoto. Devoto, devotee means literally devotee. The root means someone who lives by a vow. You've taken a vow as we do when we're initiated and you live by that vow. So the English word vote, votee, or all the Latin languages, voto, vow, even the English word vow, all Sanskrit vrata. And dritta is from the verb, the same verb that gives you the word dharma. So Prabhupada translated dharma, that which sustains, because it comes from the root, which means to sustain. And from the same root of dharma, you have uh, dhara, as in, for example, Krishna is called giridhari, the one who sustains, who holds up the mountain, giridhari, or because Krishna holds a club, he's called gadadhara. Please don't say gadadhara, please. So, uh, Gada, Gada means a club, not Gada. Gada means a club, and Gadadhara, Gadadhar, means one who holds a club, or Padmadhara, one who holds a lotus, or, and so on and so forth. Or Dharma, that which holds up, that which sustains your life. And so here, from that same root, we have Dritta, to hold your vow, literally, to hold your vow. So, Prabhupada translates this here, Dritta Vrata, as fixed in spiritual qualities. It literally means, uh, Narada is saying to Vyas, that you hold your vows, your spiritual vows. And so he says, Uru Kramasyakila Bandha Mukta Ye Samadhi Nanu Smara Tadbicheshtitam. This is a poetic, elaborate Sanskrit uh, sentence, which I'll break down for you. Bicheshtitam means actions, activities. Prabhupada translates it, the various pastimes of the Lord, various comes from the root V, V Chastitam, that's a little technical, but anyway, so Prabhupada translates V Chastitam as the various pastimes of the Lord, Tad V Chastitam of him, the various pastimes of him, of the Lord. And um, he's saying Samadina, with Samadhi, or by trance, as Prabhupada translates it. In other words, in a state of samadhi, anusmara, uh, think repeatedly, and then describe them, Prabhupada says. So smarta, of course, means remember. Smarta is the command, remember. And anu can mean two things, which are very important. Anu can mean repeatedly. If you know any, like Spanish, seguir means to follow, and seguidamente, in Portuguese also, right? So that's exactly like that. So following can also mean in Sanskrit anu, like a rupa nuga, follower of rupa, of rupa. So anu means follow. So it can mean follow in the sense of one after the other or repeatedly or continuously. Or can also mean follow, and Prabhupada translates in that way, he says think repeatedly. So the repeatedly is anu, following one after the other repeatedly. Or anu can mean just mean following. In other words, remember in disciplic succession by following the other great acharyas, remember, or following what Krishna has taught. So repeatedly remember his various pastimes and do this in samadhi. In other words, with absolutely full concentration, complete concentration, and do this Akila bandha mukta ye, for the mukti. Mukta ye means for the mukti, 
for the liberation, Banda, from bondage, Akila, uh, of everyone, uh, and Prabhupada translates here very beautifully, universal. Kila, this is interesting, sorry. I, I like Sanskrit, so you don't have to suffer through this, but Kila actually means uh, deficient or something's missing or something's left out, in that sense, defective. And so Akila means uh, without exception, universal, as Prabhupada says it, Akila. And so it can mean for liberation, universal, uh, for the universe from liberation from all bondage or universal liberation from bondage of all people. And the Tadvi Chastitam, the various pastimes of Urukrama. Uru in Sanskrit means wide or great, and Krama means a step. I mean, like, you know, to actually take a step. Therefore, uh, there's a famous verse by Rupa Goswami, uh, Ado Shadha, in the beginning for faith, to touch Sadhu Sangha, then association with devotees. And then he says, You'll get love of Krishna, Bhavet uh, Kramaha, uh, with this Krama. So, Krama means a step, like a physical step walking. I mean, the verb Kram, Kramatik means to, like walking. So, therefore, just like in English, it can mean the various steps, like step by step just like in English and in many languages, paso por paso. So, so it can mean a step in the sense of a sequence, one thing after the other. But it can also mean, I mean, it means originally a physical step. And so this refers to uh, Lord Vamana, who took wide, who took great steps. So Urukrama means Krishna who took these great steps. V can mean wide and tree means three. So the Lord is called tree Vikrama. Some people say Trivikram, but we have to live with that. So Tree Vikrama means literally three great steps. Tree Vikrama, or three wide steps, obviously referring to Lord Vamana. Tree Vikrama or Urukrama. So here that word is used to describe God, describe Krishna, who appears as Vamana Dev. So in Samadhi, with full concentration, remember repeatedly the pastimes of Urukrama, the Lord, for universal liberation from bondage. So let's say, uh, it's a beautiful verse. Maybe we'll read uh, one more. Let's see what we've got here. Okay, this is very interesting. We'll stop with this verse. So the first word, uh, so first I'll read the verse. Tatonyata kinchana jadvi vakshataha very, very interesting verse. So, tato, therefore, or from that, anyata. Anyata literally means otherwise. Anya means other or another. Anya, therefore. Pure devotion is often called ananya bhakti, uh, which Prabhupada often translates it unalloyed bhakti, literally means bhakti that has no other, meaning no other goal, no other object except Krishna, no other purpose except loving service to Krishna. So no other bhakti, ananya bhakti. 
So here we have anyata. Ta in Sanskrit teaching means the manner in which something is done. For example, in which way, like in, like the way in which you do something is called yata. And so to say in that way is tata. Tata, you've heard these words. Tata, yata, 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 uh, uh, yata, yata. Uh, I'm sorry, yata, that's not a name. Yada, yada. So anyata means in another way or otherwise. So in any other way but this, that's what it's saying, tato, from this, which therefore, it also means therefore, from this, tato anyata, any other way but this, kinchana, whatever, kinchana, jad vivakshataha, literally, Prabhupada translates it, desiring to describe. This is the verb, of course, vach, which means speech, Vak, that's where we get English words like vocal. Uh, so um, vocal, voice, all these English words from the Sanskrit vach or vak, vocal, voice. So this is a, um, this is a, a uh, what's called the causative form. So vivakshataha means for someone who wants to speak. In other words, and therefore, just like, sorry, but if you know Spanish or Portuguese, uh, they in Spanish it's like quiere decir, someone wants to say something, which is how you say he means, like you say like, what do you mean in Spanish or Portuguese also, isn't it? Yeah, so in Spanish or Portuguese and other languages, you say like, what do you mean? You say, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? And so Sanskrit actually has that also. So here, whatever you want to say, vivakshataha, meaning whatever you mean, whatever you're trying to say, whatever you mean. So whatever, in any other way, that whatever you're trying to say, uh, if a person is, pritag drishas, has a separate vision, drishas, vision, pritag means separate, or part. And so separate vision, uh, this is a word used in the Bhagavatam, other places, Pritadristi, a separate vision. And this is something like, um, well, not something, it's very much like that famous verse uh, where Krishna says, Bhayam, the cause of fear, the ultimate cause of all fear, all anxiety, Bhaya, is Dviti Abhinivesha. It comes because the mind becomes absorbed in a second thing in the sense of first, second, third. So there's only one ultimate reality, which is Krishna. And everything else is part of Krishna. Everything is within Krishna. Krishna is within everything. Everything comes from Krishna. Everything rests upon Krishna. And therefore, if you imagine and really get focused on a so-called second reality, like reality number two, a second reality which is not in Krishna, not resting on Krishna, doesn't come from Krishna, but it's still real. Of course, it's not. That's an illusion. It's that idea of something which is not Krishna that causes all of our fear and anxiety. Because if you understand Vasudeva Sarvam, that Krishna is everything in the way I've described, 
as Arjuna says in the Gita, chapter 11, sarvam samatnoshi, tatosi sarvam. You encompass everything. You include everything. Therefore, you are everything. Arjuna says, sarvam samatnoshi, tatosi sarvam. So if you are trying to describe something or what you mean, what you intend, what you're looking, what you're focusing on is something which is other than this concept of Krishna, then that is pritadrishas. It is a separate vision, separate from reality. You have separated yourself from reality by believing in something that is not Krishna. And so by separating yourself from reality, then tatkrita, that causes a chain reaction. Tatkripa rupa nama bi, then that false idea starts to produce forms and names, rupa and nama, forms and attractive forms and names, so-called attractive, which um, aren't real. Like, for example, let's say a lusty man sees what he considers to be an attractive female form. And it, uh, <clears throat> so what is Prithadrishas is seeing, let's say, another body or seeing one's own body as an object of enjoyment. That actually doesn't exist because every living body is simply Krishna's energy. Every living body houses a soul and every body is meant to serve Krishna. And so seeing a body, your own body or someone else's body, not as something which is meant to help a soul to serve Krishna, but as an object of enjoyment or even you know, encouraging someone else to enjoy their body in some inappropriate way, uh, that is pritadrishas. You have, your vision has become separated from reality. You're just not seeing reality. And because you're not seeing reality, you will enter into this false world of forms and names, which are all misunderstood, all misapplied, and ultimately cause nothing but trouble. And so in that situation, the Bhagavatam says, na karhi chit, kwapi cha, not at any time and in any place, na karhi chit, like no way and nowhere. That's really what it's saying. Na karhi chit, kwapi cha, dushtita matir, that badly situated consciousness, literally is what it says. A prophet calls it oscillating mind. Dush or dur in Sanskrit means bad or hard. Like you can say like, you, you, you know, hard or, 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 or bad. And stita is situated. And mati, of course, is consciousness or mind. So dushtita matir literally means a badly situated consciousness or mind. So labeta, it can never achieve uh, aspadam, a resting place, just like a noor, a boat. And by the way, from the from the word noor, we have the word nava in Sanskrit, nava, which is the source of the boat, which is where we get words like navel, naval, navel, navigate. That's all Sanskrit, nava. 
And here the root word, or the, anyway, we'll call it all technical grammar, nower, which is nava, boat. So like a boat, which is ahata, which is being struck, battered, just really bashed and, 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 and struck, vata, by the wind. Vata means vaya, wind. So, I mean, imagine this. This is a very vivid, uh, the word aspada, uh, means a like a steady place, like an like an like it, it can it can mean a seat and abode. In other words, like home, like home sweet home. You may travel here and travel there and stay in a hotel and stay in a friend's house till you know you know till it's just too much. But when you finally come home, that's where you can rest. So therefore, hospital means like a resting place, a seat. You know, like your place where you can really just be at rest. And so, just as a boat. A boat that is being struck, and, and ahata is also a very strong word. Hata means, can mean killed. I mean, it can mean struck in the sense of a mortal blow, like hata, you know, like someone, like in, in, in warrior Kshatriya combat, when someone has, you know, killed another person, as the person's dying, they say, hatosi, like you're killed. So it's a, it's a, it's a strong word. Ahata here is translated as, in the dictionary, a struck, beaten, hurt, uh, crushed, destroyed. So just as a boat is being struck, it's being, you know, it can be maybe destroyed in, 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 in a, um, by wind, by a hurricane or whatever. So that describes the mind. The mind has no, and so Prabhupada, I'll show you how Prabhupada translates this. Uh, Prabhupada translates this, whatever you desire to describe, that's vivakshataha, that is separate in vision from the Lord, simply reacts with different forms, names, and results to agitate the mind as the wind agitates a boat which has no resting place. So imagine this. I mean, talk about seasick. Uh, imagine being on a boat. And of course, the Bhagavatam is not describing some huge uh, luxury, you know, cruiser or something like that talking about just a boat that really gets thrown by the wind and you know and, and, and caught in the storm there's no resting place it never stops for a moment i mean not for a moment do you get any rest you're being thrown this way and that way constantly and this is the mind this is the mind which wants to describe something literature again or see something which is not krishna which is not in Krishna, which is not meant to serve Krishna. So very vivid. So it's contrasting. Uh, remember the verses we read several verses ago about Tadvag Visarga, that literature is uh, meant for a revolution in the impious lives of, of, of the world. And then the verse that says that literature, even if wonderfully composed, if it doesn't, Achyuta Bhava Varjita, if it doesn't really glorify Krishna, so it's, it's talking about how we speak, what we read, what we think about, what we talk about, and the absolute importance of talking about, reading about, uh, thinking about Krishna and not material things. That's what sort of ties all these verses together. So uh, that is verse uh, 14, and hopefully next Sunday we'll do verse 15. Um, so let's see. Always, you know, my search for questions usually don't find any, but as a courtesy here.
Um, okay, here's a question. The age of the age of Kali Yuga tracks living entities who desire to lord it over God's creation. Only entities who are demonic in nature are born in this age? No. Also people who are meant to take advantage of Lord Chaitanya's incredible mercy. Lord Krishna and Lord Chaitanya appear always in this age in earth, in an earth planet, middle planets, not in the lower planets or higher planets. Well, to be honest, uh, although it's the custom to always answer these questions with some idea, but um, if you look at the Bhagavatam, which actually describes these things, um, the Bhagavatam talks about the avatars of Krishna. Krishna, of course, always reserves the right to appear in any way he wants. Uh, there are some descriptions of Krishna in the Bhagavatam that Krishna uh, appears in other ages. But again, I suggest you look at Beta Base, a good exercise, because uh, if you look these things up in, in Prabhupada's books, that will be very purifying. So I suggest, as far as the technical details of avatars, I suggest you do a little research, and uh, we should get in the habit of looking things up, actually. It's a good habit. So it is, very, it is said very often that a person that commits suicide gets a ghost body. Is that scriptural? Another question, another good research topic. What about if the person was a sincere, confused soul that served Krishna sincerely in some period of his life? Yes, um, the good news here is that Krishna has common sense and Krishna has common decency. Now in the case, we do have the case of Junior Haridas. Junior Haridas committed suicide uh, for, uh, because Lord Chaitanya was uh, distancing himself or distancing him because of some incident. Although Junior Haridas, Chota Haridas in, in Bengali, means like little Haridas, Junior Haridas. Um, and of course he couldn't live without Lord Chaitanya's association. So he, he drowned himself and then came back as a type of, you could say a ghost or ethereal being, uh, not really as a ghost. He came back, he just, no one could see him, but Lord Chaitanya. And so he would always sing for Lord Chaitanya. And of course, without any question, he, you know, very shortly after that was fully restored to Lord Chaitanya's association. This of course was, um, this whole incident was meant to show how important it is how to be strict in the company of the Lord, but to say that every devotee that uh, commits suicide becomes a ghost. Uh, again, uh, Junior Haridas is not really a ghost. He just, no one could see him, but he could, Lord Chaitanya could see him and he could see Lord Chaitanya. I would say that um, Krishna will do whatever is best for each soul. If a particular soul needs a little bit of punishment to, to appreciate that, don't destroy your body, it doesn't belong to you. It's government property, you know, don't destroy government property. So people are in different conditions. Some people are suffering in ways that we it's hard for us to imagine. So I would say that the, uh, that if someone I think unfortunately takes their own life or you know destroys their own body then krishna will just do what is absolutely best for that soul it's not just it's not it's not about punishment it's about helping people krishna says that uh sarva bhutanam that i am the dear i'm the well-wishing friend of every living being the word well-wishing is literally suhrit means i have a very good heart toward every living being 
And so ultimately Christians, ultimately Christians' concern is not just to punish, like, you did that, okay, I'm going to get you now. It's to try to help that person. So whatever is best for that person, to bring that person back to proper consciousness, that's what Krishna will do. How can one raise one's devotional service towards an outstanding standard, outstanding japa, outstanding when you serve, just be Krishna conscious. There are many ways to be Krishna conscious, hearing, preaching, glorifying, remembering, serving. So whatever service you're doing, do it seriously. So thank you all very much. Uh, thank you all for your time. And uh, I hope to see you all next Sunday. All right, Krishna.